0: This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. I'm Monty Reed, welcome to the platform, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Now thank you, and I'm gonna I'm refer to you as Director Reed through the interview so people know, put respect on your name when it comes to those things. Uh, you are the first, not only black person, person of color. A years of the University of School of Nashville, USN, history. Congratulations. Thank you. Kudos, flowers given to you. Um, what does that mean to you when you think about that, yeah. just initially, how does that hit you?
1: Well, I had so many reactions when the opportunity to come to USN sort of arose. Um, First, you think about a school that was started in 1915 in its early origins has only had 11 directors. Mm -hmm. So it's a school that has a long-time commitment to leadership, a long-time commitment to the community. So to be able to, to step into that role, that's a tremendous honor. Right. Um, as a kid i grew up in portland oregon i grew up in public schools i don't take that for granted I, right. I ended up in an independent school by the time i was in high school but i didn't have any leadership that represented who i was mm-hmm. until i found my way to an independent school where there was a head of color he happened to be hawaiian but there was somebody else who i started to be able to see myself in those roles right so for me to be in this in this space it's an honor, and I hope that it helps my community right. see that every one of us could, could be a part of leadership, could be a part of changing culture, right. and be a part of having an impact.
0: Let's talk about your journey into the educational sector. Is that what you always inspired to be growing up as a youth? Like, I want to get an education.
1: Yeah, um, yes and no. Okay. It, it was one of those things in the background as I found my time in school, um, whenever I had free time, i wasn't really sure what to do with myself and my best friend his mother ran the lower school okay. and she said w- would you mind coming over and spending some time with with our three-year-olds they okay. it would be great for for them to see somebody who they could read with and, and have an opportunity and i said well that's not really for me i don't really have time but then somehow i found time to do it <laughs> right um... when there were opportunities to be a uh, a coach of a, of a team or participate in helping to direct a middle school play whenever they needed an older kid um, i would always say no and then find my way back to doing it but my original path was actually to be an athlete i wanted to be a soccer player and so i played soccer since i was five years old had a chance to to play at the collegiate level tried to play a little bit afterwards but wasn't good enough wasn't big enough wasn't fast enough but found myself as an almost athlete Uh, throughout most of my time so my my first teaching job was at a public school outside of Portland Oregon where I had just broken both of my legs playing soccer and so I was teaching in two two big leg casts (laughs) for an overhead projector uh, when I found my passion to, to uh, working with kids.
0: How do you simultaneously break both legs? How does that happen?
1: Yeah, it was it was running. <laughs> I, I ran too much and, and I broke my feet. And so I had developed all these stress fractures in my feet. And so the only way to fix that was to to cast them and, and make sure that I got off of them for, for a while. And so, yeah, they put me in two casts to keep me from running around.
0: Also, it's interesting to me that, like, soccer as a sport of choice... Um, I don't want to give away your age. Yeah, that's all right. But but during those days, and even now, America is still, you know, as far as catching up as far as trying to introduce soccer um, to our youth outside of like basketball, football, uh, baseball, all these other kind of, I think, more accessible sports. How did, is, is soccer like real big in, in Portland? Or yeah. how, does, how does, I know y'all got the Trailblazers as a basketball team, but how, how did soccer, how did you gravitate yeah. to that?
1: Um, There's, th- this is a whole nother <laughs> podcast, but. In the Pacific Northwest, soccer was very big. When okay. the first uh, professional league came, they brought many soccer players over from Europe okay. and they settled in the towns when the league folded. And so, if you look back at many of the college teams mm-hmm. uh, out of California, Oregon, and Washington, they were all coached by former players in that league. Okay. So, there is a deep history, Portland Timbers being one of them um from from the pacific northwest right. but for me i grew up as a head start kid i grew up uh... in the vistas when i was very very young mm-hmm. and so uh... football wasn't a possibility it, yeah. was, it was an expensive sport you need a lot of gear yeah um, basketball you need more than one person to play right. a soccer ball was something that I could do all the time yeah and I lived across the street from the park so I could take my ball and I could go and play right. and I really found soccer because I needed something to do after school because right. my parents worked and so I literally walked into a soccer practice right. and said what's going on right. uh, and that's how I that's how that became part of my life
0: Speaking of parents, how did they influence or make up or what would they say about you as an adolescent? Um, what would they say about me yeah. as an
1: adolescent? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty much the same person as I was as an adolescent. Maybe I was a little louder when right. I was younger. Um, I've always been the person who sort of asks why. How can it be different? How can right. it be better? Um, sometimes when I shouldn't. You know, to be right. honest, that, that's that's how change makers mm. exist. Um, and I was always really, really driven. So worked a little too hard, a right. little too long trying to do those things. And my parents kind of let me do what I wanted to do. I think soccer is a great example of that uh, you know I, I broke my feet because I ran too much I knew yeah. I needed to stop I needed to do something else but there right. was always one more game to play yeah. there was one more chance that I could I could be better yeah. and and I was the type of kid that that did that what was your
0: parents background what was their professions
1: um, my my uh, my mother worked in aging services. She worked in okay. the state of Oregon, and okay. so has always been involved in service agencies. And my stepfather ran a bicycle shop um, oh, wow. for over forty years, neighborhood bike shop. And so one of my first uh, jobs was helping to sweep sweep floors right. uh, with him. And he's been a big part of my life forever. Um, and they were really supportive in in everything that I wanted to do. Mm. So great great support from my family. So
0: now you're here in Nashville. Yeah. Let's get straight straight to the meat. Let's get straight to the meat of this this, this chicken bone right here. Um, How are you
1: liking Nashville so far? Nashville has been fantastic. I I wasn't really sure what to expect. Mm -hmm. I haven't lived in the South before. I moved here in July and this apparently was the hottest July ever. (laughs) So I felt like everything from the clothes I was wearing like coming from New York City, it was, it was the wrong material, it was too hot. All I right. felt a little bit out of sorts. But every time I went someplace, there was a friendly, a, a friendly person to say, right. "Hey, you're the new director of USN. Let me tell you my story about yeah. how we're connected to USN, what it means for us to have you here." Mm-hmm. Uh, people, I feel like the city kind of rolled out the red carpet in that way yeah. to make sure that I was well cared for. I moved here with my family and my son, who's a who's a senior at USN, and everybody wanted to make sure all of us were okay. Right. Um, so that's that's been amazing. Um, what attracted you to USN? Yeah, I've been a part of, of education and in independent schools now for, for a really long time. And I've been really fortunate in my career to be a part of, of schools that are doing really significant work. Mm-hmm. I spent the last 10 years at a school connected to Columbia University. Uh, before that, I was a, at a school connected to the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I was with a school in Seattle, Washington. And when I look back over my career, I've always been able to find schools that are trying to have a public purpose, part of something much bigger than just serving the, the community of the students who can enroll. Right. They've been a part of connecting with public schools. Part of research, part of connecting to higher education, trying to think about how to change and grow teachers, right. um, and so USN is one of those schools that's always sort of been in the back, uh, in the background, mm-hmm. because it was one of the first to yeah. to be explicit about the importance of having that public purpose. Mm-hmm. Coming with the demonstration school model, that was a model that that failed in many ways, and yet we've continued to find ways to think about how to offer contemporary education in ways that that rely on that level of research so it's it's one of those schools that everybody knows about in the field of education they don't necessarily know a lot about it Um, and maybe even one of the best kept secrets here in Nashville Um,
0: In education especially being a a black man right there's always this push to get more black men to be Mm -hmm. teachers to be directors and leadership in education in general how has your journey um, in education as a black man um, shaped and molded you? What has been some, some wins? Would it have been some maybe some challenges um, al- along that journey? And kind of some inspirations as well, as well to keep yeah. going.
1: Um, challenges. Um, I think back to the journey, one of the things I mentioned earlier was just seeing people like me doing the work. For a long time I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know what I could do. It felt like it was out of reach. So I've always been in places where you find someone who's a sponsor or a mentor, someone who's going to say, Amani, you can do this. Or, hey, Amani, have you thought about this other thing? Um, And then when you realize that being a person of color identifies black, being in a place where people make other assumptions about you, Mm -hmm. about your capacity, about your intellect, about your history, um, I've definitely found that I have to remind people that Mm -hmm. I've either earned my my opportunity that is in front of me, let them know a little bit about where I came from, (laughs) uh, and, and I think that's a challenge that not everybody has to face in this work. Right. I don't think people always assume that, right. that that you know what you're doing when right. when I'm in the rooms that I'm in. Um, and then I think the other part of the success is I've been able to give back to, to some of that work and into the community. I've been involved with mentorship. Right. I've been involved with growing educators and thinking about leadership, not just in my school, but sort of in the movement, right. in, in the broader movement of education.
0: In your journey, what do you think has been a reason why it has been hard to get black men in the educational in the or inspired and encouraged to take on that type of professional career
1: yeah um, i want to separate into a couple different things i think okay. one teaching as a profession is hard so all of us are are, we're trying to find teachers good teachers and there are so many opportunities out there but i think particularly when you look back over the last couple years people haven't gone into teaching because of uh, of the challenge of teaching of the hours of teaching and that's true for everybody right for for black people in particular for black men i think that it's also not been seen as a career for us we don't necessarily know other other black men who are teachers we didn't have black male teachers we didn't we didn't see any of those experiences so it wasn't even on my radar as i said as i said early on um and then i think from a hiring point of view i don't think we do enough to get out into black communities to talk about teaching as an opportunity and inviting folks in there's a lot of times that um, we don't necessarily focus on getting out to spread the word about right. our jobs, about the opportunities, about what it really means to, to be meaningful right. as an educator, as a role model in, in a community.
0: What advice would you give to maybe an aspiring black male teacher right now that's thinking about it on the fence? but? What would you say to kind of get them over the edge like maybe this is something you consider what advice would you give them yeah
1: it, it's about impact so so first I, I always when I think about teaching it's about children mm-hmm. and so if you're if you're wondering if you're a good teacher if you're wondering right. if it's something you want to do sp- spending time with young people whether you volunteer at a boys and girls center you coach on a, on a team you get involved as a mentor volunteer do something with children Right. Um, the second part is finding a way to be connected to, to a community. And I think that, that happens in lots of different ways. I see churches involved with, with youth programs. Mm-hmm. I see the, again, sports programs, finding ways to just dabble in teaching, right. to be able to share your knowledge, your experience and your wisdom and then getting into professional programs there are lots of ways to be connected to professional networks uh, around around education making sure that you know about the schools that are that are in your community you know what people are looking for we are always hiring Schools are always (laughs) hiring. They always need need someone to be able to to come in and work with young people. But having that experience to know Mm -hmm. and be grounded with kids, Mm -hmm. to have the professional skills and practice to be doing some of that work in a place that's fulfilling, Mm -hmm. uh, and then really getting out there to see what's available.
0: Now being a director of USN, what does that mean? Like for us that maybe don't know what a director of a school, of a private school, Means what? What does that mean? What is what? Are, what is your powers that you hold? <laughs> what, is, what is my superpower? <laughs> your superpower, and then like, what is what is you know what is that impact? You know, sure. As well?
1: um, the responsibility of the director is kind of everything. I start my day every morning uh, welcoming kids off of the bus, and I walk my some of my youngest students who travel by bus to school Mm -hmm. to class. So it's everything from seeing how they're doing to helping them get prepared for the day. Mm -hmm. I'm putting backpacks on, we're zipping things up and we're making sure that they're ready to go. Um, Then I'll go to a meeting and I'll think about everything from curriculum to budget to long-term planning. The role of the director is everything Mm -hmm. about the day-to-day operation of the school and making sure that we're around for the next hundred years. Um, So it's, it's a lot of the big picture stuff the reason it's fulfilling is I get to spend time with kids so I get to do a I don't get to be in the classroom anymore but I get to have interaction with kids of all ages from kindergarten all the way through grade 12 I get to work with teachers thinking about their passion art and science of teaching what are they teaching why are they teaching what what difference is it going to make and then working with with families around what it means to be to be a part of the school Um, but the other thing that directors get to do that are a little bit different than principals or people who run divisions is I get to work with external communities, so creating partnerships, one of the ones that um, is long standing at at, at USN is a partnership with Vanderbilt, so finding ways to have our students connect with Vanderbilt. Um, This year we have a high school class that's being taught by one of our teachers and with a Vanderbilt teacher um, working with our students finding ways for us to create and support our Horizons program, which right. is actually a summer opportunity for public school students to come beyond campus and go back and be successful in their right. in their own public schools. That's something I get to do that's different mm-hmm. than a lot of the people who have to focus on the on daily what's right. happening just just in the classroom.
0: Now in education, I would just say not just in education, but I think just globally now, um, diversity, inclusion, equity is just been, you know, a big phrase. that sure. It's been used from schools, organizations, corporate, everywhere. Everybody's trying to be more diverse, uh, intentionally more diverse, intentionally more inclusion, and intentionally have more equity, or recognizing if they don't have equity, how do they fix that, right? When we think about public private schools, um, there's a lot of things to know even personally for myself that comes comes to mind just subconsciously, or even consciously, when I think about my own upbringing, like yeah. ah, as a black man as well, as a, just a black person, ah, private schools, uh, that's not that's dope, that's not for people like me. Yeah. people That look like me. Uh, I'm not welcome there. Ah, you know, I I you know I don't know. My parents can't afford it. You know, those type of things. Um. I can't do the same things I would do at a public school. Whatever that means, right? Can you dig into that um, diversity, inclusion, and equity standpoint first? Um, And how USC is is tackling that, and what is your own kind of blackness? How that affects that, right, in the culture um, at USC today, and then we'll we'll kind of just step step keep stepping into that, leaning more into that.
1: Sure, there's so many ways that we can tackle that as a question. Uh, I think one of the first places to talk about is just access. Right. Um, many independent schools were founded not with the same history as usn a lot of them were founded to be elite schools and we have a we have a a different history in that way and Um, i want to interrupt you really quickly yeah because you because i don't i'm not familiar with the term but you keep saying
0: independent school yeah and so i wanted so i know people keep probably hearing that too sure and 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 i want to make sure i'm using the correct terminology versus private or independent is there a difference? So,
1: so you, can you give us a, a yeah, quick glossary absolutely.
0: breakdown and then go back into it? <laughs> sure.
1: Private schools can mean a lot of things okay. and, and so there can be private schools that are uh, affiliated with a religion they can okay. be affiliated with uh, all, all sorts of things. An independent school is independent of that sort of policy. And okay. non, any non-public okay. school is sort of grouped into the broader sense of being independent schools. Yeah. So it's okay. a little bit bigger bucket, and it also sort of allows room for, for all of us to, to sort of be part of that conversation, right. Okay. If that Perfect. makes sense. That makes sense. Um, it, it also for us is part of our inclusion, so it right. means that we have the ability to open and offer a really wide net in, in lots of ways. But let me go back to the first part around, yeah, yeah. around uh, access. So one of the first barriers that are often people worry about is how much does it cost to go to a school. Public schools are free, Uh, of course there are other ways that that schools fundraise to have uh, additional programming, but Mm -hmm. by and large that's a free program versus what a private or independent school costs. So we have a financial aid program that is need-based. So we work with families to figure out what they can afford and mm-hmm. work really hard to provide as much as we can of everything else. We don't want money to be the barrier right. to, to, for families to have the experience at USN. Right. We think about that in lots of ways, not just the, the day-to-day tuition, but everything from our summer programming to We offer trips, international trips. We think of all the ways that families can have an experience in a school, we want to make that as as realistic as possible. So we tackle that directly up front and and talk with families about what's possible. Right. Um, The diversity, equity, inclusion is also, USN is founded, with the goal of representing Nashville. And we're constantly talking about what that means. So some of that is, who are the communities that don't know about USN? We are rooted in Edge Hill. We spend time talking with our students about what it means to be of and in Edge Hill as a community. Mm -hmm. It's part of our curricular program to walk around, to make those connections, to understand our history. But we also recognize we have to be outside of that community to make sure everybody knows. I'm not sure where you grew up in Nashville, but- North Nashville. North Nashville, Nashville. and did you know of USN? did not, right. Mm-hmm. So we've been around since 1915. That's a problem yeah. if you don't know who we are. Right. That's something we have to be better at doing. So does that mean that we haven't done enough to connect with you and your community and wherever you were going to school? Right. Does it mean that we haven't done enough to highlight our programs to let people know that mm-hmm. we're here and we're doing something significant? Right. So, so that's part of the awareness that we need to work on. Um, And then on the diversity, equity, inclusion, we want to be a school where everybody feels a sense of belonging and connection understanding what it makes for students to feel safe families to be able feel safe to be at school to talk about the things that are hard for them right. to not necessarily have to go through all the code shifting to figure out is this okay for me to say at school is this right. not okay for me to talk about but making sure they're surrounded with trusted adults who who know how to have those conversations who right. want to have those conversations um, I shared with you off camera my son is is in Uh, the senior class and he's involved in a a course on black consciousness. Um, So we're taking ideas that have been around for a long time, black philosophers and what that means and applying that to a modern-day environment. It's not just students of color who are in that class. We're making sure that everybody understands the importance of the black community, not just here in Nashville, but but as a movement, as an idea, as an impact in in terms of our, our larger history. So making sure the curriculum reflects what we really want right. for our students to be able to think critically about a breadth of, of experiences. That makes me think of just
0: where we are today in our world, right? Yeah. Especially here in the United States where a lot of these things like that are political sides, right? Yeah. Um, as an independent school, how how are those type of situations handled, right? Yeah. Whether it's a mass mandate, whether it's a particular subject, um, whether it's Critical race theory, for example, because um, we know from a public school perspective, it's a lot that goes in school board. You have a superintendent. It's, it's a lot of things sure. that goes into that pot that that can they can turn really nasty and get really political around education. Is that the same or is that different or? how do an independent school juggle or have or lean into those conversations with parents sure. um, in the community t- uh, that an independent school has.
1: So you, you asked earlier what the job of the director is. Uh-huh. That, that is my job. <laughs> my job is to be the person who helps communicate that and, mm-hmm. and, and under, help people understand what it is that we're tackling, what it is that we're facing. Right. We have a governing body. We have a board of trustees that's a little different than, um, than a school board. School. Okay. They're not doing policy at that level, but they're there to advise and, and do the, the governance of the school itself. But we'll take a couple of those topics on. Right. When we think about things like the mask mandate, which were hard, they were hard for every community. Right. I wasn't here in Nashville, so this isn't a statement around what we did or didn't do over the past few years, right. but I can say that part of the exercise is to go to find the best experts we possibly can mm-hmm. to get advice, to understand what we can and can't do within right. our community safely, to make sure that everybody is able to be well cared for and safe in the school. Mm-hmm. And then think about the academic program, how do we continue to offer everything that we possibly can for our students to be successful, for them to continue to grow intellectually, and to offer that to the broadest group ever. So for most schools, that was some sort of mix of online education, in-person education, and figuring out how safely you could come back. We have some advantages because of where we are. Mm -hmm. We are in Edge Hill, as I mentioned before, near the Vanderbilt campus, so we can spill out of doors in ways that many schools couldn't. Um, so we get to take all of those things, those things together. The other part of what I heard you ask was how do we have really difficult conversations? Right. Critical race theory is probably something different and we don't do that in secondary exactly. education. So that, that's a different podcast and a different conversation, <laughs> but difficult conversations around race, conversations that are, are hard for us right. um, just as humans, right. let alone understanding being a young person, a, a black pers- black man right. in schools, we try to create safe spaces for those conversations to occur when i say safe it means we have to have dialogue It has right. to be critical thinking right. so when we can we'll put multiple opinions on the stage we will put we will create time and space for people to have not just the conversation but some debrief afterwards right. what did that mean to you right. how did that change your thinking uh, because we really at the end of the day education is about preparing children to be part of a democratic society right. to be more enlightened and more engaged to be able to make a bigger impact when they leave. So they have to have thought critically about those things, not just being told all the time, this is right, this is wrong. So right. we're finding ways to, to be able to do that. So at USN, that's the way we've approached it. And that's part of the time that I get to spend with students. Right. I ask the we have a student group in the, in the high school about what are the things you're struggling with? What are the things you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And they come back to me and say, we really want to talk about how to disagree with each other without that being, without being disagreeable. Right. Okay. So now we have to help you understand discourse. Right. Um, and so we have to find those things that are already meaningful to right. you, even if they're controversial, right. and create a space for us to do that. Um, and let me say too. We have to bring our families along as well, because we can't do that with our students without doing that with their parents and guardians.
0: Personally, when you think of the word equity, or you think of the word diversity, or inclusion, right? What does that mean to you? Like how? Because they can be very broad terms. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I just throw that one out. Equity. What does that? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to Amani?
1: Yeah. Um. I, there's a distinction, obviously, between equity and equality. Right. right? So I, I think we, we make that distinction first. Um, for me, we're talking about everyone getting kind of what they need to be able to be successful right. in an environment. Um, for me, I think very quickly, very personally, about my own journey, my own experience, and my own voice. What do I need to feel equal in the spaces right. that, that I occupy? And ultimately, it's about getting that sense of belonging and connection we have a responsibility to create the thing that makes you hooked to the community, right. feel safe enough to be your full and present self right. um, in, in, in the school. So for me, that's, that's the safety. How do I know that it's okay? Right. It's okay for me to be all of who I am uh, when I'm at work, when I'm, when I'm in the U.S.N. community. Nashville. Um I always like to say, nationalism
0: is—it's a diversely segregated place, mm. right? because Diver- we have a lot of diversity here as far as what people look like, languages they speak. Yeah. But we all are in our own community bubbles, right? And I think I was a um, a prisoner, I would say, of that. This is my own upbringing, right? Because of just the South, the Bible Belt, historically, what has happened here, um, and I think that restricts and limits perspective and also opportunities to find out what else is going on in your city, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I say that to say, how uh, is USN and, and what ways are you thinking to kind of break those type of barriers uh, when it comes to to parents especially who may live outside the Israel community and other pockets of Nashville that, you know, probably are at the low socioeconomic level of things um maybe working multiple jobs and general don't have a lot going on um and maybe even consciously themselves they don't even see their kids yeah. being able to attend a, a school like you had said. how do how do we tackle that in the mindset right and also knowing that this is a welcoming space for, for people that may fit in a particular Economic category or race category.
1: Sure, uh, I don't think it's enough to tell people it's a welcoming space. We have to right. demonstrate that it's right. a welcoming space, and so we have to find ways that we invite people to campus. Right, we've we've tried a handful of things, and and. I guess let me back up and say part of it's inviting people to campus is to know us, to right. see us, to be president. Part of us is just being active in the community. Mm-hmm. Me and others finding ways to to be meaningfully connected in, right. in the broader community. But let me go back to inviting people to campus. We have programming that, that, that happens in lots of ways that can invite people in to understand more about USM. We have evening classes that anyone in Nashville can sign up for and, and hear from a speaker, learn a new skill. Those are, those are paid for opportunities, but they're open to everybody. Right. We're also trying to find ways that we just help make other people aware of opportunities that exist. This year we hosted a Historically Black Colleges and University College Fair. We brought in representatives from, from a variety of schools, and we opened it up to everybody, mm-hmm. um, not just USN students not just independent school students right. we, we reached out to everybody we possibly could mm-hmm. uh, we were we, we thought we'd be lucky if we got 200 people signed up in, in, in the gym I think by the day of the show we had over 800 people registered wow. to come in wow. and so it wasn't a benefit to us other than to say we wanted to create an opportunity right. that brought people to campus and connected people to these HBCUs. Right. So we're also trying to find ways that we can serve, mm-hmm. ways that we can be connected and, and folks can come onto campus and say, wow, this is a place that I didn't even know existed, right. but they may be doing something interesting if they're willing to be a part of this right. conversation in this community. So. Finding intellectual ways for us to do that, finding opportunities for us to open up our campus to, to be to be more broad, mm-hmm. and then finding real meaningful partnerships. Right. I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Horizons, and that's one way that we work with students. I mentioned the partnership that we've had historically with Vanderbilt, right. but trying to find different ways that we can create communities of teaching and learning, right. uh, partnering with public schools around professional development, finding ways to be involved with service programs, agencies, and organizations that just serve Nashville. How can our right. kids be better ambassadors to right. the communities that we live in? So we want to be active and out right. and present. One great thing about being new is I get to ask all sorts of <laughs> questions. So <laughs> you mentioned a couple of communities, and and I still get the names wrong uh-huh. because one thing I've learned about Nashville is the way it's written is not the way it's pronounced. <laughs> right? Nobody really walked me through that, uh, and so it's that's how we know who's not from here yeah. and who's from here. That's how,
0: that's it's, how a, trick. it's, it's a, a trick. It's a trick. Okay. Yeah. okay.
1: Uh, I feel better than, than um, <laughs> it wasn't just me. So I, I'm trying to get out to, to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you know about USN? Hey, let me come see your school. Let yeah. me see your community center. Let me see your church, synagogue, temple. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your community. Yeah. Uh, because then we can actually have real conversations. Right. Um,
0: well, and I can't speak for every community, but I will speak from the community. I'm part of the black community. Yeah. Um, and being a black man yourself, how do we tackle the notion that Black people aren't welcome in a space like USN? Yeah. How how to like, like how do we get over that mindset? Who do we like? How how does USN do that? Right. As part of your job, have you thought about that? Is that something that just goes through your mind? Because. Again, even per- from my personal experience, I'm like ah, those not just U.S.N. specifically, but in general, like I, I don't think those schools are welcoming for somebody that looks like me, yeah. um, and maybe not culturally uh, competent um, for me to attend and maybe accept all or who I am and what comes with that.
1: Sure, um, the first part is honest conversation. One of the things that I did is I went back and talked with recent alums um, and asked them about their experience and heard from a lot of alums of color about what it meant for them, what they knew about USN, what was hard for them about their experience. And we're spending time talking about what that means for us as a school. What were some of the, I guess, some of the impactful things that you heard from from those alums? I think I've heard a variety of things. Um, One was really about personal connections. Did they have a trusted adult who looked like them, cared for them, felt connected? Um, They did, in most cases, have that person, but they were the same they, they often had the same person. You know? Right. So that tells me we need to do more. We need to right. do more to make sure that the faculty and staff represent the diversity of our student population mm-hmm. as well as the diversity of Nashville. Um, two was finding safe ways to have those difficult conversations. Um, things that come up feel different in different communities. Right. And how do we make sure that those voices are heard and not silenced just by the energy of the room, by the emotion right. of, the, of, of, of the challenge and by the majority of the numbers. Uh, are we really creating the time and place to do that? That starts with professional development for the faculty and staff okay. that has to do with our hiring, our cultural competence in terms of being really clear about what we're looking for, what makes right. a teacher successful, what our expectations are for for being a part of the USN community. Right. Um, we're, t- we're starting to have those types of conversations and making sure that we all feel comfortable and prepared to do that. Um, and then an- another part was just how far it is away, f- geographically, mm-hmm. from the communities that they grew up. So yeah. thinking about what it means for us to have programs that are, that are desirable, academic mm-hmm. programs, athletic programs, artistic programs, okay. what it means for us to provide transportation so you don't have to figure out how to get here. If you want to come to USN, right. we should help try to make that make that possible so talking about what that looks like and then even thinking about ways that we might be able to take the educational program outside of the Edge Hill campus? Are there things that we can do that are are in different parts of the city, different parts of the country? Are there ways to use our alumni network differently? Um, We're starting to think about uh, some of those. And the last thing I'll say is that it's one thing to come back and talk to to the director about the experience. It's another thing to come back and actually continue to have a voice in how you change the school. So continuing to stay involved continuing to ask those questions, continuing to give them opportunities to share their experience with the students and with families so we can continue to be better. We can't, we're not hiding from that history, we're embracing the fact that those were things that might have been hard and therefore, we have to create things that are are different and new as the world has changed.
0: I know we had talked a little bit off camera about this and I'm excited to kind of dive into this a little more about you all's public, Investment right into the national community because um, I told you I was even battling right now with myself being someone. Every now, I think about it. I think everybody in my family that I can think of, oh, we all went to national public schools, right? And then think about, um, I don't know, at least graduated from national public school I think I had a few cousins that went to like St. Vincent when they were still living yeah. on Tucker Road, um, but thinking about. If, if 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 I am I taken away from my community, mm. right? Or if I become this this person of you know of value and resources now that I'm an adult, right? Um, and understanding, I ha- I may have the financial resources to go ahead and put my son through an uh, independent school like USN, knowing that public schools are. I'm not really the best for, for black boys. Like we 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 understand this statistically, right? right. These are, there's a lot of things, a lot of barriers. Um suspension rates, all of these other things. Um but however, you know, could can, can, can I change that if I invest my time and my energy and my newfound resources by putting my son in a public school versus a private school where maybe I'm I'm disconnecting my son and myself from helping public schools overcome some of those hurdles that we know that exist, yeah. um, does it have to be a, a, a one or the other, or can it be an end both in both? And in kind of how you spoke about off camera, how USN is kind of like yeah. still having that that public investment in community, even though it's an independent school.
1: Yeah, it it ha-
0: it can't be an either or. Okay.
1: Um, both of those institutions can't survive that way. Uh, public schools can't survive by being insular and not talking about educational policy, writ large. Um, independent schools can't survive by making families make choices to either jettison public schools or their family history or their family values. We have to make sure that we're doing we're doing both of those things. And I think USN. Um, Continues to tackle that. So let's talk about the for the first part, the right. the systemic part. When I came out of of college, um, I wanted to be a public school teacher. And at that point, the 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 school district that needed us the most, that needed black teachers, was L.A. Unified. So I was going to move to L.A. to be a part of, of the public school movement, or I was going to move to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to be part to to direct a um, academic enrichment program for public school students run out of an independent school and I had been teaching in public schools and felt that I could impact the students that I was working with but I couldn't change the system Mm -hmm. and then I was able to go to this uh, non-for-profit where I got to change the system I got to work with students I got to work with teachers and in some ways that's one of the benefits of being part of an independent school with changing the system, changing the the curriculum, changing the experience for children is different right. when you're working in a smaller community than a much larger community. So as right. educators, as parents, that's part of what we're able to invest in. Right. We invest with someone who knows our kids, someone who someone who cares for our kids, which of course can happen in public schools. Right. Uh, we get to do it in just a little bit different environment. That's right. that's something. On the school side, we have to continue to make sure that everybody is better educated. Working with with with. Um, student teachers. We host student teachers at our school so they have a chance to experience what it's like to be in our classrooms, to work with children, Some of them hopefully come to work in independent schools. Some of them, I hope, come to work at USN. But the vast majority are gonna go out to be part of public schools. And we need to help them understand uh, how great it is to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. We need to find ways, uh, and I came from a background that we didn't just do that with, with teachers. We did that with social workers. We did that with school counselors. And so USN wants to continue to be a part of that fertile ground for growing educators not just to serve USN. Right. So we're talking with schools, we're talking with agencies, we're talking with hospitals uh, and other places about how we can be better partners right. for, for some of those very reasons. Um, and that's what I mean when I say being part of the Nashville community. Right. I don't want it just to be the, the easy, logical things right. that um, that are just across the street or just down the road. Right. I think part of lifting all of us together is finding those ways that are much more complicated, a little yeah. bit messy. Um, and finding ways that we can, we can work together. Yeah. Um, I think there's opportunities, as I mentioned, for professional development with teachers, teachers working with each other to think about teaching and learning with kids. Right. I'm really interested in pursuing some larger research opportunities in classrooms and, and working in, in, in those ways um, and learning more and more about sort of the needs of Nashville and elevating that story. Yeah. Uh, I'm brand new to the, to the city and I, I learn something new every single day about, about Nashville. And I want to make sure that our students don't have that same experience, that they don't leave us after, after a kindergarten through, right. through 12th grade experience, feeling like they don't know the town they grew up in right. and all the complexity. Right, yeah. Is, is, is there a difference,
0: and this is just me not being in education, uh, but is there a difference between a teacher that teaches at a public school and a teacher that teaches at a private or independent school? Is like being all be, sure. Is 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 there a, is there different calibers, or can either one go back and
1: forth? Uh, there are great teachers in public schools. There's no <coughs> right. question about that. There are great teachers in independent schools. The environments are just different. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's as simple as class size. Right. So we we get to work with a student population that. Um, so our class average is about 15 students. Right. That that is a luxury in yeah. many in many ways in a public environment. Yeah. Um, so you have different skills, you have different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Our curriculum is developed by our teachers and right. by our departments in partnership in some ways with our students, mm-hmm. whereas many public schools are governed by other systems that determine curricular goals, curricular pacing. Um, and we, we were talking a little bit about laws, in terms of states, about what can and can't be taught. Right. Independent schools have a little bit different, different freedom in that. So oftentimes, teachers have made different choices around, uh, around the type of environment that they want to work in. Right. But teaching is a calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a teacher in whatever environment someone chooses right. is really about being called to do that work. Mm-hmm. And um, when I think about the people I've hired to work in, in the independent schools I've been a part of, I would say half of us come from teaching backgrounds in public schools. Right. Um, I would say a good portion, maybe, maybe a third, come from special education backgrounds mm-hmm. because we all think about teaching and learning in some different ways and right. what students need. Um, and I think that's the beauty of, of education. We bring all right. those professionals together with different experiences, different backgrounds, different levels of confidence and success in our own story right. around school that creates the school community for our kids
0: now I'm gonna get real deep on you right? okay all right and I'm just not I'm not sure how independent schools handle handle these two things I'm gonna bring up so you can you can break it down for us social and emotional learning yeah right Um, there's been a big push um, in in public schools I know for sure Um, social and emotional learning especially around behavior how do you address these things, how do you prevent from suspending students, right, Um, by having professionals at the school that can, you know, maybe pivot or redirect a student um, in a different type of way outside of just the easy route, I think, is just send her or him back home. Sure. And then they're missing time, they're missing work, they can get behind. You know it doesn't work right um how does an independent school tackle something like that or what are those conversations um around behavior because uh, a lot of times this is what i don't see like in the social media era right yeah uh <laughs> the public school i went to high school it was wild right but we didn't we wouldn't have cell phones all the time right but now Every, every teacher is on YouTube. Anything can happen on social media or TikTok now, right? At any moment. But I tend to see it, I think 99.9% of the time, it, it's a public school, right? Yeah. Um, what are independent schools doing differently? How do they handle their social and emotional behavior? Learning... Yeah. break it down break it down for us.
1: Some of it's hard because vocabulary is different in, okay. s- in different schools and, and structure mm-hmm. exists in different schools. Um, I would like to make a distinction between discipline and social emotional learning okay uh, on, on the discipline well backing all the way up, students want to be successful. Right. Nobody really wants to get in trouble. Right. It's just, it, that's, that's just too much work for all of us right. so figuring out ways to have advocates and who can support students mm-hmm. are, are a big part of the work that we get to do. So on the discipline side Most schools, our school included, has a a series of expectations, rules, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But our practice is about restorative justice. It's about trying to work with people to understand the the reasons and causes of what happened, to help develop next time plans so they are empowered to make a difference. Mm. Of course there are consequences when harm is done to a community, and how do you figure out how to do that? That's not to say there aren't consequences. But the process and the goal, of course, is always to help people make better choices the next time they're in those sorts of situations. Right. The other part of that in terms of social emotional learning is understanding your body, understanding how your brain works. Right. Uh, we have full-time counselors who are dedicated to that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are dedicated counselors that, at each division. We have a lower school, a middle school, and a high school. We have dedicated counselors who help our students manage all of that. Right. So when something comes up, sometimes it's about the discipline, sometimes it's about how you were feeling and the other things that were going on. Um, And so we're able to help both support the student in whatever the consequences are of that moment and work with the family to figure out what else was going on so right. that student can be successful and ultimately come back into the school community, whether it's five minutes later or right. empowered or that's that's a couple days later, we don't know. Those are Those are all parts of the things that we get to unpack. Right. But by having a dedicated social emotional learning team, we help empower students to understand how their brain works, right. how their body works, what is it that you were feeling that made you make that choice? Mm-hmm. How can we help you make those those choices differently? Right. And then it's not just about the thing that you did. Right. Um, that's one of the opportunities that we have. And I think that makes us makes us different right. because we have the staffing to be able to do that. Right. Public schools have different staffing, different structures. Right. That's not intended as a criticism. Right. It's just one of the ways independent schools get to be independent. Right. We get to solve that problem for each of our schools, right. in 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 some different ways.
0: Yeah, and I'm asking. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a learner right now. I'm yeah. learning. I'm being curious right now. Cause we're all learners. <laughs> we're, we're all learners every day. Yeah. Um, safety. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's been school shootings happening. Mass school shootings yeah. happening. Um, I know from a public school situation uh, circumstance here in Nashville specifically. One of the ways they decided to handle safety is with SROs, right? Um, it's been in place for a long time, public schools have an MOU with MNPD um, and they feel like that's the best choice in order to keep the schools safe. Sure. Um, that's, a, that's a contentious, contentious topic with, with parents and especially parents of color uh, interacting with police uh, at schools. Do independent schools or USN do you all have something like SROs or police on campus um, at this particular yeah. moment? And and how do you all you know I guess
1: tackle handle safety in general? Sure. Um, no school can can outline their safety plan publicly for for obvious reasons. Okay. But philosophically, um, the health and safety of our community is one of the most important things. Okay. You send your child to a school. We you have to know right. that we're gonna we're gonna care for your child. Okay. So we spend a lot of time thinking about what that looks like um our mou's our, our memorandums of understanding uh for us being an urban environment mm-hmm. right on the edge of vanderbilt's campus right. is actually connected with vanderbilt police department okay because we're an extension with them okay. um i think the approach is similar though in thinking okay. about if if something were to happen, who are the resources around us, who are the, the systems that can help us make the very best choices? Um, so that is an important part of our of our relationship. We don't have the same sort of sort of officers the way that public schools do for a whole host of reasons. Some of it is that we're a smaller facility, we have, we have a smaller population and uh, we can control different things in terms of who accesses the buildings, etc. Mm-hmm. But we spend a lot of time thinking about how to keep our students' uh, security safe. Okay. Um, schools and independent schools have gone through a wide range of choices around this. Uh, everything from training students around uh, situational awareness, understanding mm-hmm. how, to, uh, how to behave in, in all of those, those worst-case scenario drills. Right. We spend time thinking about our facilities themselves. Are we practicing the best practice that makes sure that there's a concern outside of the building we can stay inside and if there's a concern inside of the building we can get outside so we always are spending time looking to make sure that the building itself is physically safe for our students and then the last part is talking with families uh, because that's the other big fear if if you don't know that your child is safe how do i feel a sense of reassurance so so demonstrating and talking with families around how we do that Um, but but this, there's no question that these are things that we're all spending time thinking about. I came from New York, and so in an urban environment, that right. was a little different. Yeah. Uh, we were very close to Sandy Hook. Uh, we had connections to that community. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all things that, that are deeply meaningful and personal right. as we think about how schools, yeah. school, schools have to respond. I want, I, want to give you, I want to give
0: you kudos for using something I don't, a lot of times, here educators here it was with the restorative justice. And so I just wanna point that out. Uh, that's that's major. They that may be like, oh wow, okay. You know, you know, he 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 owns some here. And yeah. so um, but that restorative justice approach, especially around youth, right, um, it's also been um, a big topic and how do we practice that more with our youth. Um, around just our criminal legal system, right? Yeah. Around sort of justice. So understanding that that's something that USN is thinking about, even with just discipline uh, within school um, is major. So that's uh, that, that, that that impressed me, <laughs> that,
1: impressed, that, that impressed me. You, you talked know? about pipelines earlier and then yeah. I'm, I'm of the generation and I think you are too that we were more likely to end up in, in prison yeah. than we were to do anything else and yeah. that, that was something I, that was always part of my, mm-hmm. uh, my thinking. And I'm in the bonus because yeah. um, that wasn't what I was statistically destined to do and so we have to break those cycles. Right. We have to make sure that we're thinking about uh, something much more than, than how long do we have before we go down that other right. path. Um, I wanted I want to touch
0: on on um, parent involvement or even parent power mm-hmm. um, from an independent school perspective. Um, I know public schools, you know, we have PTAs and things like that, um, but parents are not paying, you know, um, to for to send their, their kids to school. Um, with parents paying um, to send their their kids to a USN. Is that power dynamic different? Is that input different, uh, than a typical public school type of dynamic? Yeah. Uh, uh, or even public school parent relationship, um, I'm or I'm pretty sure there's some similarities maybe as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think. Parents are parents in uh, that they want what's best for their for their yeah. children, and so we have a very active parents association. Uh, USNA is is our association, led by parents who help us think about what's important to them. They organize events, they they build community, they help make sure that we are responsive to the needs of the parents. And there's lots of different subcommittees that make sure that no no issue doesn't get raised to the right people at the school. Right. Um, the ultimate power in independent schools and any tuition driven school is that families can vote with their feet. If right. uh, they, they don't have to stay at a school that they right. don't like. So that puts a lot of responsibility on us to be responsive right. because in public schools you're usually zoned for that school or right. you, you, are, you are there for a particular reason so you have to create change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as easy to leave. Our families could decide, actually, I don't I don't like that, and then they get to choose a place that they do like. So we take those those conversations really, really seriously. And it also means we have to be clear about our values. So we spend a lot of time talking about what we believe. We try to be as explicit as we can about our decision-making process and how our values guide us in developing curriculum, in, in discipline, in all of the things that we've just talked about. So there isn't a misunderstanding. So by the time Um, They are making that choice to either sign the next tuition contract or to make a choice to go someplace else They're fully informed about about what they're what they're getting into, but um, We had an event uh, just recently with our parents association the room is full They have a chance to talk with me. They have a chance to talk with other other administrators Um, Of course there are topics, but they get to ask whatever they want and we have those conversations It's regular constant and ongoing to make sure that that voice is heard Um, It's important to also know we do the same thing with our students. Our students have lots of input, too. Um, Sometimes students and their parents don't always have the same idea about how we can improve and change. And that's part of the educational process, too. We get to come back and say, that's wonderful. Let me tell you what what this group said and here's what our teachers are thinking about. How are we going to take all those ideas and make the best choice for our school? Seven months.
0: Seven months in.
1: Seven months. Uh, yes, <laughs> seven and a half months. Seven.
0: Seven and a half months in. Um, what are What are some of your just uh, initial seven months thoughts thus far, and what are What are some of the things um, that you see as opportunities yeah. to 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 come in and, and, and do some great things, you know, in the next seven months yeah. or seven years? Th- th- thanks
1: for asking. Yeah. Um, I've never lived in the south before, and I had. I don't know that it was a preconceived notion about Nashville. I just didn't know and didn't appreciate all the richness of of the history, the cultural history of Mm -hmm. Nashville. So some of the most amazing things for me have been what I've discovered really about the connection to the civil rights movement. Um, And for me, I want to learn more about that. I want to make sure my students know more about that i have had the opportunity to visit a handful of of historic churches of historic places Mm -hmm. here and just sort of be in the moment of of what happened in nashville has been has been frankly just just mind-blowing to come from the pacific northwest and not know that sense of history um so that's one thing that has stood out as i talk to the students uh, i want to make sure that they understand how big the world is and making sure that they feel empowered to have not just the difficult conversations that we talked about before, Mm -hmm. but leave empowered and engaged enough to say, I'm gonna go out and create change and I wanna come back and make sure my family knows about it, to make sure that USN knows about it, that that cycle of change, that cycle of of understanding continues to feed back to better us as a school. And so I know I need to create pathways. I, I mentioned earlier talking with alums, how do I do more of that? How do I find ways to let the experience of being at USN and when they've gone off to be adults and professionals? How do we make sure we don't we don't lose that that, mm-hmm. that connection? Um, and then I think the other thing I really want people to think about when they're looking at issues of education, best practice in education, when they're thinking about contemporary conversations about race equity and inclusion, mm-hmm. as they're thinking about how to balance the most difficult conversations that we have with. Um, with, with the human side of of creating change and culture, um, I want USN to be one of the places that they're thinking about. I want them to wonder what we're doing. I want them to to, to want to reach out and say, "Hey, Amani, tell me about your program, your policy. Right. Are you running a session? Um, because I want that to be part of what we give back and contribute to Nashville, or right. we contribute to the Southern region. Yeah. Um, and that's with educators. That's with 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 all sorts of ways. Right. So that's untapped. That's that's un developed yeah. but but i think when i look back in a hundred years and people ask about the legacy that imani Reed had on usn i want us to be engaged in that type of reflection then, that we we had the courage to have those conversations in a right. place that were real meaningful and, right. and created not just impact, but real change in in Nashville. And so, for me to do that, I have to, I have to learn a lot more. I have to get out more. Um, I'm still trying to meet people like you. I'm uh, learning yeah, we're gonna, more we're about. Gonna,
0: we're gonna get you there. We're gonna get you. Yeah,
1: there. and you've already given me five places I need to go. <laughs> we're right. Get, we're gonna give uh, you the right pronunciation, <laughs> streets, and everything. We're gonna. We're gonna I'm still that. working on Demumbrian. Demumbrian. That 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 gets stuck in my mouth Demumbrian. a little bit. Uh, Buck Cannon. I, Buck Cannon, yeah. not
0: Buchanan Yeah, no. Buck Cannon. Lafayette. Was, Lafayette.
1: Yeah, Lafayette, Lafayetteville, like I, I'm not, it's all. Man, we country, man, we city country. And I'm still learning when it's Nashville and when it's Knoxville. I hear Ville and Vol used a couple different ways. Knoxville, so. Knox,
0: Knoxville. I'm sure now you got me thinking about how yeah. I just normally say it. Nashville, Knoxville. See? I think I said say Knoxville. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I'm learning all about, about what that means and, 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 and how lost that's going to get me.
0: You got to be a Titans fan.
1: I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Um i I made I made the comment that I moved to Pittsburgh and so being in Pittsburgh, uh and, and my wife is from the Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. We we are Steelers fans. And I that has been that has been a point kind of contention. Of, that's kinda that's of, kinda of an issue. It is.
0: It really it, it, is. Is. it really kinda of oh. is, you know.
1: Ah, but man. but maybe with the new stadium, man. maybe with an opportunity to get to a game, uh, I am a Nashville SC fan, uh, so I I can say that. But I but I'm working on the Titans. Oh, yeah, we're gonna have to.
0: We'll give you a couple of years. You know, we we'll give we we'll give you some time to adjust. You know, um, I, I'm learning too though about the history of baseball here. Oh and yeah. And so, mm-hmm. uh, had a Negro lead here. Yeah. They got the sounds. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of hidden history here yeah and um, that's why i got a connection with dr williams because there's certain people that just know these things um and some of these things like i said it's not it's not lost it's just hidden you just got to know where to look yeah. to find a lot of these gems um about It's not even just the black community we have a, a jewish communities here um and unfortunately um, you come into Nashville at a time where there's a lot of movement, but also justification yeah. that's, that has happened in a lot of these historically um, like black and brown areas where a lot of this rich culture comes from. Um, and so we'll have to give you that, that real native tour and connect yeah. you to those folks because um, as you're growing that, that, that cultural at USN, being able to input that information that's and right. that knowledge into the school. Um, can do nothing but help and make students more aware, and, and then who knows what what it may inspire or encourage students to do or research more.
1: Um, Absolutely, national so and, and as I understand USN's history we we have more often than not been on the right side of history mm-hmm. as 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 schools were changing right. that we change with them right. um, and so we have we have a strong history of of, yeah. of Jewish students we have a strong yeah. history of, of black <laughs> students um and that's not true for everybody yeah. but that is something that, that we that we can say um that We have to continue to make sure, not just is is known, but is is actually improved every single day.
0: I wonder how many, um, let me get this right. I wonder how many, if you all measure, how many many parents that send their students to USCN are from Nashville, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Um, I meet a lot of people uh who are multiple generation from Nashville. And, um, and USN is one of those places that people have lots of different connections. Mm-hmm. And as I walk around now, um, people know that I'm n- new to, uh, to Nashville, <laughs> and sometimes they hear it in my voice, sometimes uh, they hear something else. And then I hear the story, I recently moved here. So yeah, yeah. I know we have a lot of transplants from New York, a lot of transplants from California, mm-hmm. um, and we are seeing a little bit of that, okay. but most of the families that I'm, that I'm seeing and mm-hmm. I'm having a chance to, to meet through USN are actually mm-hmm. Nashville. Nashville I don't know if I can say Nashville natives, uh-huh. at least one generation that's of okay. Nashville natives. Because okay. um, that, that's, that's
0: the interesting part to me when I think about USN yeah. and thinking about... Um, like me and Steve Vennick, for example, both being from here, uh, but just growing up in two different like cultures, right? And then getting older, and then understanding education better, understanding, like talking about our experiences um, ab- around our schools that we went to and how it maybe like helped or how maybe I wish I could have had that experience or maybe lack something, right? Um, and I'm just always curious, because again, even going back to the Vanderbilt University, Thing. Yeah. Um, like, as a, as as a as a black person growing up in Nashville, it just it just wasn't one of those things that you know we was encouraged, or I thought it was something for me to do. But as you get older, you realize like, ah, oh, maybe it's gonna benefit me. You yeah. know, because of the resources, because of the connections, the network that built as an institution has. Um, that maybe some, you know, institutions don't have just because of, like, what they've invested into it. Sure. Um, and so I just think about those things and, you know, one, how can I be a, a part of that? Um, and also just finding, you know, what I'm comfortable with when it comes to that, um, especially around education, having a son, that one day is when yeah. I have to go to a school, right? And um, and just kind of just weighing my options and, and being also realistic and understanding um that what the best looks like for him, sure. you know, and things like that, and what institution has all of those things. Um,
1: yeah, you made me think of two things. One is, um, it's also possible that when you think back on USN Mm -hmm. and the people you might have talked to go back farther than when we were USN. We were Peabody Demonstration School up until 1975 so they're also, we've been talking about USN, but it's important to understand our legacy is bigger than USN as PDS and USN and so um, that's cumbersome sometimes to talk about but there's a whole history that that predates that. The, The second thing is Schools are unique, mm-hmm. and it's not uncommon for families to have multiple children and find different, f- different schools good. appropriate for different, diff- for different kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the richness of the school options here in Nashville. There are lots of different places that are mm-hmm. different and unique, and, and I think schools can, can be a good match. Um, and the last thing I'll say to what you said was you're doing it now. When you think about what you're doing for your son, what you're doing for your family, what you're doing for education, is asking those questions. Uh, You have to expect that of me. You have to expect that the school is going to be able to deliver Mm -hmm. and talk about something that's important and meaningful for you and your family. Um, And if we're not able to do that, then, then... that probably is, is worth another conversation. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what you want. We want yeah. engaged families who want to be a part of their child's education. They want to partner with me. Yeah. Wanna partner with our teachers. Sure. Wanna partner with our school community to figure out how to do it together. Because yeah. uh, we can't do it in isolation.
0: What is the future of education? That's a that's a, that's a big one. Well, that's a big question. We're gonna end it we that, that's that's my last big one for you. What is what is what is the future of education? What does that mean? What does it look like?
1: Yeah, I think we're on a we're at a really pivotal point. We've seen educational reform take all sorts of different changes, and I think the pandemic accelerated some of the things that were on the horizon. So we're looking at we're looking at delivery and technology in some different ways. Um, there's no way to not think about distance learning, computer learning, and how that makes more information accessible to everybody, and programs like chat GPT are mm-hmm. creating all sorts of other problems. Artificial intelligence, how do we use that as a tool mm-hmm. that doesn't get in the way. So I'm on one hand, technology is going to change the face of, of education mm-hmm. and access will be a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I think the second part is the gap between now and where our let's say our kindergartners, when they be join the workforce, mm-hmm. that workforce looks very different than it did uh, Two generations ago right. we were able to better predict what skills competencies they would need in order to be successful so as an educational system we have to be more relational more nimble and help our students to be the word is not resilient but able to to reflect and to to be able to modify adjust and change as the world around them changes so I think we're going to have to be more open to change as institutions to to be able to do that so we're looking at our delivery we're looking at our purpose because the outcomes and the challenges are different and I think we have to get back to that sense of connection, the relational part of school. Schools are as human as anything else. Right. And so how do we make sure that while we're doing the AI piece, we mm-hmm. don't lose sight of the fact that actually you and I are in a conversation together right. and that's what's, what's meaningful about today. Right. We could have done it via email, right. but I wouldn't have been enriched in the same way that I am by, by sitting with you today. And right. so how do we find ways to do, to do both of those things? So I think schools functionally will look right. different and change.
0: I got, I got. I thought that was gonna be the last one. But oh. made th- you th- made me think. Good. about Good. I'm glad you made me think about something. Made me think about college universities. Yes. Uh, and because of technology, and because of careers are centered around technology, where you don't necessarily maybe have to go to a four to get a four year degree to make six figures, because of tech is just so wildly booming, sure. and there's just a lot of opportunities in it, right? Um, unless you want to be a doctor a lawyer, some of those terminal degrees and, you know, things you have to uh, attain just to practice those things, those careers. Um, How is USN responding to that? Is that something that that you're even thinking about as far as careers um, growing up in public schools? Uh, I know there was like this. Two tracks, you know, it's a university path or it's like, hey, if you want to do trade or mm-hmm. some, some type of technical um, track. Vocational you can, you know, program. Vocational program, yeah. you can do that too. The um, independent schools take on that type of methodology of psychology at some of, uh, some point? Or how, yeah. how does that look? Is that different? Is that something yeah. you all explore? Or is it like everybody college preparedness? Type yeah. of thing.
1: I heard a lot of layers in the question yeah. so let, let me go back we got, back time. To, we got let me, time let me do one of the <laughs> layers which is I think as as colleges change, mm-hmm. schools are changing, high schools are changing too. Right. Um, I mentioned earlier that the pandemic accelerated some of that, and I think the clearest example is the use of standardized testing as a gateway to colleges. We've we've had long, for, for years, we've had conversations about whether or not that is the best method, and then all of a sudden we couldn't use that as a method or, or, or a barrier, so schools had to change, and we're, we're learning a lot from how successful those students were when they entered college. So we're going to see colleges change in general Um, on the skill side I think we are moving more and more away from um, maybe even traditional grades or traditional ways of measuring success to more skills and competencies does that tip us greater towards vocational training I'm not sure but I do think that we have to be prepared to to live in the world that's coming. Yeah. Understanding technology is different than when when I was in school. Right. When I was in school, we took a keyboarding class, which was mostly learning how to type, type. Yep. and we did a little bit with Visual Basic, but that was pretty advanced. You right. had to you had to spend a lot of time to learn how to program a robot that or something that was gonna right. say hi back to, to you. Still, now mm. we have we have engineering programs that are solving a whole bunch of, of different world problems and even think about how geodes has changed Nashville in terms of um, their industry here. Yeah. So if there's a vocational bend, I think what we're going to see is some of those STEM influences changing industries that we didn't think were going to be changed by them. Right. Uh, AI and education being another example of that mm. that we were just talking about. So. We're going to get to that point, but we're going to get to that point because the outcomes change, the needs change, the demand for our students change, um, and it can't just be I'm an intellectual in this way. You actually have to be a learner, an an experienced intellectual in this way Mm that I think was different than it was 20, 30, 50 years ago. Um, The the world that your child enters is going to be really different than the one that you did. And yeah. that's exciting, it's wonderful, and it's terrifying as a parent. Yeah. And so we have to continue to find ways that, that we, we broaden that sense of what it means to be educated, mm-hmm. what it means to be a responsible citizen right. uh, and an adult.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that's why we mentioned earlier, like, you know, bringing the parents with you all along to that journey, because we can get blinded by our own kind of, you know, uh, traditional ways of how sure. we was in school. Then. Well, no, we did this. Oh, what's going on? Like, no, things are changing and yeah. and things like that. And so having that, that parental education as well is, is key and knowing, you know, what's next and, um, you know, that continuous educational education as a parent absolutely yeah
1: and family education yeah. understanding how how you can support your child in school right. um, there are some some examples mathematics is probably the obvious <laughs> one where math how we learned it is yeah. different than how it's taught in schools most of the time now and so we could be it. the obstacle by telling our child yeah. that's wrong right. or we could be the partner that says hey help me understand what you're learning <laughs> right. and we may right. learn something in the process oh, yeah. too um, but that's our own experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. that are really different than our children's. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Director Amani Reed, I, I appreciated this. Um, you know, I asked a lot of questions. You gave <laughs> a lot of answers, and I was just, I was just, I, I, I learned a lot, um, and I know community learned a lot about USN, um, about independent schools, um, and about yourself. I think. Yeah, thank you. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity and being available to do this. Um... In this custom, I want to leave the guests with the last word to close this out.
1: Yeah, um, it's been an honor to be here. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of the Nashville community, and I invite you to come come see oh, us I'm at coming. USN. I'm uh, we we are a special place, <laughs> and and I invite people who are watching the podcast or listening to us, and however they get their content, yeah. um, to think about independent schools, to think yeah. about us, but I think most importantly, think about the 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 difference that we're making in our yeah. communities. If there's a partnership opportunity, something you're thinking about, um, give us a That's what that's who we want to be. That's who we've always been and that public purpose is a really important part of USN.
0: Director Reed, thank you.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you.